Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 872, air date February 4th, 2021. Good evening, everyone. It's 6 p.m. and we will wait for others to join. Uh, today, I'm going to continue the series we started on the uh, events that occurred with Twitter about 72 hours ago. But more importantly, I'm going to talk to you about you know, the last uh, 24 hours, we've actually filed two emergency hearings in court. This is, again, a very, very historic lawsuit that we're involved in. And we're going to talk about that. And we'll wait for people to join. So um, uh, John's here helping me. And we also have, we're joined by Michelle today. Michelle um, um, also, uh, like John, was involved very much in our campaign, right? Mm -hmm. So we're going to start shortly. But uh, with people from Bernardo from Mexico is joining. You can just read out the people, Michelle, if you see these people here. We're joining. And Texas. Texas. Who do you have, John? London, Brooklyn. Yeah. Here we have Canada. We have Texas also. Texas again. Clarissa, uh, Britain. California. Maryland. New York. Okay, New Zealand. North Carolina. Wonderful. Cologne. Cologne. Where's that? France? Uh, Cologne's in Germany. Okay, Cologne. Sorry. Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Long Island, Chicago, Washington, Quebec. Fleming Island. Okay, Iowa, Western Massachusetts, Karen, California, Iowa, Indiana. Knoxville, Tennessee. Wonderful. Okay, so let's just, as people are coming in, what I want to talk about today is first of all, before I start, uh, this evening at 7 p.m., we, we did a mask uh, a scientific event. Was it about a month ago, right? A month and a half ago. So we're going to do another event, and I'll just sh share with you. That's going to occur uh, tonight at 7 p.m., um, and that event will be right. Uh, it'll be on Zoom if you want to know more about it. We'll probably be doing another one. I think tickets may be closed for it, but I just want to let you know what we're up to there. Um, so if we go here, one of the things we're going to be talking about if you go to events We'll probably host it, but we're really doing this for a bunch of parents who asked me to help out in uh, Pennsylvania. It's called Seminar Masks and Risks to You and Your Child. So we're going to cover uh, what we did several uh, weeks ago on the results that came from our mask event. And uh, I think the tickets are all sold out, by the way. But uh, this is on masks and oral health, build awareness of the risk of masks to you and your child. And um, the funds from this actually go to support our research. The government and major institutions should really be doing this. Unfortunately, they don't. But what we've done is the research is one part of it. As you know, the platform that we're building, we're building people, A, to get educated. So that's the education piece. And then we're also doing some interesting stuff on the legal area. You've known a lot of stuff I'm doing on the election side. Uh, but we're going to be also doing something in this area, which I can't talk about fully right now because in the middle of finishing it up. And then we have these cards that all of you can download once you sign up as a member. And you can see these cards. It says building awareness of the risks of, uh, let me just walk away over here, on the risks of masks uh, to you and your child. And then the back of it actually has different scientific things that we have here that um, people can learn about. So it says oral microbiome. I mean, I'll just read it out to you. It's oral microbiome critical to overall health, a child's microbiome development is predictor of future health, systems biology reveals masks disrupt the oral microbiome, and dentists are reporting 
um, increasing oral health issues. So you can see that's the top part. And the bottom part, we have public health implications. The need for risk assessment of mass and oral health, that we need to start looking at uh, per, uh, if people are working in employers where they force you to wear the mask, well, maybe that employee should also get coverage if they have any uh, dental issues. Because what we talk about tonight is that there's significant increase in dental issues. So last time we did a long event talking about the research that we've been doing for three years on the oral microbiome, which is a mouth bacteria. And at the molecular level, what happens, um, how periodontal disease, which is a um, very important disease to understand because whatever occurs in the mouth affects your brain, it affects all different organ systems. And as a part of that, today, we're gonna also have a focus on, we're gonna look at some very, very interesting research on children. Because children, when they're young and they're growing, particularly in the adolescence or young age, that's when the mouth bacteria are starting to populate. There's around 700 bacteria. So anyway, we're gonna talk about that, but that's really, when we say truth, freedom, and health, the movement that we're building, that's really the health side. The truth side is a science that we do. And the freedom side is where you can go hand out one of these cards. So when you go to the website, which I'll cover before I end, you can sign up as a member, you log into the dashboard and you can download this PDF. We have a lot of volunteers, right? Mesa, mm -hmm. others yeah. who are starting to print these cards, you know, and they're giving them out. So instead of arguing yeah. with people about masks or not masks, give them the card, let's educate them. So that's, that's what I encourage everyone to do. Anyone in the world um, can log in and take advantage of it if you wanna know how. If you simply go to vashiva.com and you log in, you'll get access to what's called the dashboard. I think I can go here. And on the dashboard, right on the site, um, depending on the, the, the level that you've committed to for education, uh, everyone gets access to featured videos, but the mass card is right up there and there's two images. And if you click on one of the images, you can literally get the front of the card, which is here, for example, and on the back of the card is the other one, okay? And you can print these as a number of Truth, Freedom and Health and Warriors are doing, and they can drive them to the page. So Pete, please take advantage of that. It's really was done for you. A lot of effort went into doing all the design. But today, what I wanna talk about is an update on the Twitter uh, events. Um, 72 hours ago, as I discussed on Monday and yesterday, today, Wednesday? Thursday, Thursday sorry, <laughs> time goes by. Um, yeah, uh, I think I discussed it on Tuesday and Wednesday, right? And so today what we're gonna talk about is what is going on because as many of you know, lawyers do not wanna take on the swamp in Massachusetts. I'm representing myself as a lawyer. We've had two successes and two victories. And what we're gonna talk about is really important. A lot of people are dilettantes, you'll find out. They learn something and they hear it again. They go, oh, that's just the same old thing. Most of those people are sort of the ones that are never gonna do anything in life because they don't understand that you need to go deeper and deeper into something. So today we're gonna to go one level deeper to understand not only the election fraud in Massachusetts, but more importantly, that the government is involved in suppressing speech. So we keep hearing about big tech, big tech, big tech, okay? In my view, this is not the real issue. The real issue is that the government can tell big tech what to do. And we have to understand that. And until you understand that, you're gonna be manipulated by thinking big tech, Twitter, and Facebook are the criminals. Well, they're just the tools, okay? The brains of this, ultimately, if you're a true uh, threat uh, to the state, is the government. And the government works like this with big tech. 
okay? So what happened was, as many of you know, we, um, uh, in September, we exposed the fact that the government, the state of Massachusetts was deleting ballot images. The ballot images are the ballots because that's what's counted. And they do this all over the country. And when I exposed, I was on Twitter in September 25th, 26, the government contacted Twitter and had me shut down. We went into federal court on October 30th, 2020, federal, federal court judge gave us a ruling on our behalf, which was a big victory, said, I found out in testimony that they had done it and then told them you cannot be doing this. And in fact, ordered them not to do it. We also found another organization of state election directors was doing this. And um, the judge made a very good ruling, essentially defending the American right that to political speech, that means government speech cannot overrule political speech. So that was what I talked about yesterday. Um, over the last 24 hours, uh, with a little bit of sleep, we actually filed our emergency motion because when they banned me, was that February 1st? Was that, what was that? Monday, right? February 1st, Monday? I don't even know what day it is anymore. It was the first. Okay, it was the first. On February 1st, the when I uh, did an educational video on electronic voting systems, people wanted to know what was going on. I again shared the fact that, that the state election director, a woman by the name of Michelle Tassinari, and the four emails, um, conversations, which expose that she's the one, which talk about the ballot images, she's the one um, who contacted Twitter. So I just want everyone to get this clear. So the, the John, what do we call this? Who, uh, who threw me off Twitter? It wasn't Twitter. I just gave an interview to um, a local journalist. I said, look, this is not Twitter which did this. It was the government, okay? And why did they do this? The reason they did this is because they're violating federal law. And so they contacted Twitter in September to tell them to kick me off, I think for almost three weeks, right in the middle of our Senate campaign. I think we all, I mean, all through the end of our Senate campaign, we were thrown off, most of it. But this time I was doing an educational event and I also brought up that same event. So uh, I want to, I talked a little bit about cat's paw liability. So what I want to do is to share with everyone because from an educational standpoint, all of us have in some ways have got to start learning some law and start have, having to learn how to put this together because it's difficult, but you can do it. So I want to share with you what we put together, um, hold on, let me, which was uh, last night, right? Mm -hmm. So let me go right here. Let me share with you what we, so if you want to go to the URL, John, you may want to share with people over here. So the URL that you can go to, um, again, this is one of the take action things is you can go to the First Amendment. Oops, let's see, John. Is everything all right? Let's see. Uh, yeah, so what did you do, move it this way or this way? Okay, so um, what we did was we put together, if you go to um, right here, if you go to vashiva.com slash first hyphen amendment, dash Twitter Galvin lawsuit. You'll come to this uh, site where we keep, it's it's the First Amendment lawsuit. We have two lawsuits. And this was what we just filed yesterday, February 4th. And I'll bring this up because I think it's a great opportunity to walk through this so people actually understand how lawsuits are structured here. So what you see here is this is a emergency motion for hearing to obtain an order that defendants must immediately withdraw keyword Tassinari from Twitter's algorithm intended to silence plaintiff's speech. So just to be careful, I'm the plaintiff, if you haven't heard that term, it's a person 
um, filing the lawsuit. And these are the defendants, which means that people are, so William Galvin is a secretary of state. Michelle Tassinari is the state election director. Deborah O'Malley is the communications director. Amy Cohn is the executive director in Washington of the National Association of State Election Directors. So we're going after Galvin in his personal capacity and his official capacity, okay? This is called the caption of a lawsuit, okay? The lawsuit number is here, 1189. So you just learned a little bit of, oops, I don't think I shared that, did I? Sorry, I didn't share that with everyone. Let me bring that back. Um, so when you look at this, let me go back here. Um, this is the lawsuit, the top part, the plaintiff and the defendants. And the motion here is, why is this motion important? Look, look read this motion. It says, what an emergency motion is, we're asking for the judge to hear us immediately. Because remember, I was just thrown off Twitter on the first. So we're saying, judge, the defendants, we, which we already have a lawsuit in the middle of, have basically continued their violation of free speech that you already ruled on on September 25th, 26th. Everyone following that? Mm -hmm. So September 25th, 26th, to be clear, the judge ordered them to stop contacting Twitter. Now, here's the interesting thing. What I proved in court on October 30th is, which we got the victory, is that there's a very interesting area of law, which I talked about yesterday, but I'll repeat it again, called cat's paw liability, okay? Cat's paw liability. What does that mean, okay? What cat's paw liability means, it's a, it's a uh, concept of a court case, referring to a court case that occurred in the following way, where there were, I think, two employees, and there was the employer. Employee one, let's call it Bob and Bill, okay? Bill didn't like Bob. So what Bill did in order to get Bob fired, he went and told some um, wrongful rumors, false stuff to the employer. Okay, so Bill went and told stuff about Bob to the employer. Well, Bob gets fired. He's out on the street without no money. So he finds out Bill is the one who did this rumor mongering. Okay, so typically people sue the employer for wrongful termination. What this guy does is he finds out Bill spread all these lies, so he goes and sues Bill, okay, and he wins, okay? So what's the issue here? Well, the issue is Bill induced the employer to fire Bob. Does that make sense? It does. So it's called cat's paw liability because uh, if you read Aesop's Fables, there's a famous story of the monkey who is looking at a chestnut which is roasting on the fire, and the monkey wants to get that chestnut, mm -hmm. but he doesn't want to get his hands burned. Okay. He's a very smart monkey. Okay. So he convinces a very stupid cat to say, Hey cat, help me out. Get that. You know, uh, you know, it'll be good. You're, I don't know, whatever. I forget that, you know, it'll be good for your, your fur will be warm, you know, whatever. So the stupid cat takes the chestnut off the fire. The cat gets his hands burned. The monkey gets his chestnut. Um, so the cat was the one which was induced to do the job no different than Bill inducing the employer, okay? So what happened in this case that I proved in October 30th is that the, the cat here was Twitter, the dumb cat. The smart monkey was the Secretary of State. They contacted Twitter, by the way, it came out, they admitted in testimony in th four hours of hearings, the woman Tassinari, who's a state election director, admitted she had contacted Twitter. Mm -hmm. And they contacted Twitter, so Tassinari was the monkey, right? No uh, pun intended. She was a monkey who contacted the cat Twitter to throw me off. So we 
use a cat's paw liability and was very successful. Now, what I shared yesterday was now imagine that the cat, unlike the old Aesop's fable, you can implant a chip into the cat, that you can hypnotize the cat. So the monkey can not only tell the cat, get that chestnut for me, but every time the chestnut has the name Tassinari, it could be months later. The cat has been hypnotized to just grab that chestnut, grab that chestnut, grab that chestnut, okay? So what we are arguing is, there's only two times in 19,774 tweets that I've been throwing off Twitter, okay? 19,774 tweets over, what, 2000, since August 29, 2011. One time was when I mentioned the word Tassinari in reference to those four emails where she admitted that she deleted ballot images violating federal law, September 25th, 26th. The second time was February 21st. So the only conclusion is it's not like Tassinari is a name that ever, it's like a random name. That name occurs only out of one out of 700,000 people. That's what we found out. So a Twitter programmer programmed that into the keyword. So when I, for my handle, say Tassinari, it sets off a bunch of lights, shut down Twitter, okay? Mm -hmm. So let me go back to the lawsuit. So this will give you the context, John, if you wanna come here. What we filed here, as you can see right here, is we said on October 30th in this court, that was the last hearing, defendant Galvin, who's the Secretary of State, agreed on behalf of himself, Tassinari and O'Malley, who's a social media director or the PR director, to desist from strongly encouraging Twitter to suspend this plaintiff's account and prevent him from expressing his ideas on Twitter. That's what the judge issued the order for. Mm -hmm. The evidence is now overwhelming that Galvin, Tassinari, and O'Malley, the monkeys, three monkeys, okay, consciously misled this court regarding what they had done and that their objective of obstructing justice would continue to be met via Twitter's algorithm, the cat, the intelligent cat now, okay, or the program cat for flagging tweets and accounts initiated by defendants' earlier actions which was these people, to coerce and chill plaintiff speech, but now not requiring defendants ever to lift their finger again. You guys see that? Yeah. So they have it in auto mode. So we said, thus the defendants appear outwardly in compliance with the court's vision of the First Amendment and the fundamental principles of the United States, but their actions initiated algorithms that are now permanent to coerce and chill the plaintiff speech. It is evident that these defendants expected the court to not, they thought the judge and everyone else was stupid, to not understand what they had already done through the use of modern algorithms to enforce a modern government blacklist. So again, what I'm saying, just to be clear, is, is you can say there, John, Twitter didn't knock me off. It was a government because when they said, take those, uh, take Shiva off because he's exposing the fact we violated federal law, Tassinari is who did that. And that's why I was mentioning the, the keyword Tassinari was put into the Twitter algorithm by the state. Ever since October 30, 2020, hearing this court, this plaintiff has been active on Twitter, relaying thoughts on diverse topics, including election fraud. Plaintiff has tweeted scores of times. You guys can, if you remember, on election yeah. fraud, lawsuit, ballot images, computer algorithms. Twitter took no action to restrict his access. Screenshots follow in the plaintiff's sworn affidavit. And just to be careful of that, I'll show you that. So let me go back here. Where's the, I'm here in the interest. I'm gonna go right back here and you'll see um, the second document, which is my sworn affidavit, which we also filed in court yesterday. And let me just make sure everyone in, in uh, StreamYard world can see me good. Okay, so what you see here is this is the sworn affidavit, okay? And in here, you can see what I shared with the judge here was these are all my tweets, okay? 
Here's a tweet about Tuck, you know, me attacking Tucker Carlson, okay? Here's a tweet about uh, me attacking New York Times on election fraud. Twitter didn't take me down. Here's another tweet mentioning election fraud, okay? Here's a tweet talking at the Paris Accords, okay? Here's a tweet, again, me talking about uh, health awareness. Here's me talking about forced vaccinations, okay? Truth, freedom, and health and vaccines. Twitter didn't take me down. Here's a tweet, me exposing MIT. Here's a tweet, me talking about Marty Walsh, okay? Um, here's a tweet, me talking about, I'm gonna go after big tech. Twitter is big tech. They didn't take me down, okay? And so on. And there's tweet after tweet after tweet. Here's again, I'm, I'm attacking forced vaccination, mask mandates, lockdowns, big tech censorship, right? Twitter did not take me down. For, in fact, here's me attacking Pfizer. Here's me talking about masks, okay? So I wanna make this very clear. So we get off the big tech thing and move to a different reality, okay? The different reality is here's a government contacted Twitter. And I said it yesterday, but this is what's really going on. We live in a police state, okay? So that's why it's important here, why I said it is evident, um, yeah. So here, I said uh, right here, plaintiff has tweeted scores of times, as I just showed you, Twitter took no action, screenshots follow. As an educator on system science, what I shared here was that I was doing an educational event on February 1st. And on February 1st, which was three days ago, this plaintiff held a video lecture on Twitter and explained his ongoing lawsuits in this court in layperson's terms and expressed his view. And then what happened here was about these two cases, uh, I was talking about the real crime scene of 21st century elections, which is a use of computer algorithms right here. And then as a part of this, um, uh, and the first just showed that the government forced Twitter to throw them off offline at this federal elections. The lecture delivered via Twitter proved very popular and the students were very much engaged like all of you are right now and enthused to be learning new facts that had to be revealed in federal court. Okay, then I said in this Twitter video, for the first time since October 30th, 2020 hearing, an order issued by this court, this plaintiff mentioned the name Tasnari. That's a keyword, mm -hmm. okay? And put up the same four screenshot images of the email conversation that is front and center in this lawsuit and has been discussed. This was purely in the context, a context of educating his students, was fully integrated into the process of learning, okay? The plaintiff had no special intention to talk about Tasnari Twitter. Between November and January, he was busy doing other things, all right? So um, what I talk about here, just to um, help you guys understand, is the instant that I mentioned right here, I say, uh, if you see right here, it's a, I say the email conversation public record that anyone may obtain was what the plaintiff had posted on Twitter on September 20th. You guys unfortunately can't see it as a four tweet thread in the form of screenshot images mentioning Tasnari, which then became the first tweet that Twitter forces plaintiff to delete the first time in nine years. As detailed in the complaint with multiple timestamp screenshot, this email conversation then was deleted by Twitter every other time the plaintiff posted on Twitter. Twitter never deleted any tweet that did not contain the keyword Tassinari, mm -hmm. okay? And the screenshots of her email conversations, only tweets that mention Tassinari and displayed screenshots of her email conversation were deleted. What I also gave into the court last night was we actually went and counted. Uh, what Twitter doesn't know is I backed up all my tweets, okay? And we're gonna put all my tweets back up since 2011, okay? <laughs> Um, and we're going to have my own little Twitter running because, you know, I'm a technologist. OK, so be ready for that. OK, the defendants had the keyword Tassinari embedded into Twitter's algorithm to silence plaintiff's speech. This is like the monkey putting the chip into the cat's brain. And, and, and so you get the quote, the, the facts here. 
The plaintiff created his Twitter account on August 29, 2011. During the period August 29, 2011 to September 24, 2020, plaintiff posted 19,001 tweets. I counted them all up last night, okay? Never during this period of nine years and 27 days was plaintiff ever suspended from Twitter. During September 24, 2020, make sure everyone can see it here, all right? Um, During September 24, 2020, um, uh, to September 25th, this was last year, the plaintiff posted a series of four threaded tweets referring to Tassinari in screenshots of the tweets. Prior to September 24th, plaintiff had never referenced Tassinari in any of his 19,001 tweets. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. On September 26, 2020, defendants contacted and made Twitter not only delete those four threaded tweets posted by plaintiff referring to Tassinari, but also got Twitter to suspend plaintiff on Twitter through most of October 2020 during his election campaign. Starting on November 6, 2020, so I got back on Twitter around November 6, all the way to February 1st, up until 4.30 p.m., plaintiff posted 743 tweets. Not one of them used the word Tassinari, okay? On February 1st, 5.12 p.m., plaintiff posted the tweet of his lecture explaining the lawsuit, which naturally had to include reference to Tassinari's emails. This was the first time he mentioned the name Tassinari on Twitter since September 25th. At 9.48 p.m. on February 1st, he was suspended from Twitter. Up until that time, plaintiff had posted 19,744 tweets. Across those 19,744 tweets, spanning nine years and five months, the only times plaintiff was suspended was when he used the keyword Tassinari in his tweets. Does that make sense? Incredible. Okay. But for Tassinari, O'Malley, Galvin, and Coven, and Nasset, the keyword Tassinari undeniably associated with plaintiff's Twitter handle would not exist in Twitter's algorithm to flag plaintiff's tweets. This continues the defendant's, so what we're saying, this continues. The defendant's chilling a plaintiff's speech, free speech, speech and, w- and would not exist but for the defendant strongly encouraging Twitter. The defendants may likely argue they have nothing to do with this or Twitter randomly associated the name Tassinari to Dr. Shiva's handle. Testimony in this case has already established the defendants did strongly encourage Twitter to flag plaintiff's account. What that means is they've already told us in, in the last um, uh, order in the testimony. It beggars belief that Twitter by itself would have inserted the keyword Tassinari into its algorithm to flag plaintiff's tweet, given that the name Tassinari is very unlikely name to have been randomly selected by a Twitter programmer. The name Tassinari is uncommon and is carried by only one in 692,996 people, 72% <laughs> of whom live in Western Europe, okay? So that's what we submitted to court and we submitted and we reminded the court you know, that as a court knows, defendant is a, the, you know, Tassinari is a trusted Twitter partner. And she said this under oath. This is a transcript from the last testimony. Mm-hmm. We also reminded the court that the National Association of State Election Directors also reported the tweets. We, here's a testimony what they gave. And we also reminded the court, as a court knows, the state election director Tassinari has testified that her collusion with Amy Cohen successfully result in Twitter concealing her four emails. She says that right here, okay? You know, uh, and and then we also give to the court that Tassinari has already testified to this court that she was upset that the plaintiff posted the screenshots of this email conversation and she was do, willing to do whatever it took. Says it right here, okay? The witness, I think the goal was generally to ensure the misinformation, which is the fact that I was saying ballot images were being destroyed, wasn't spread. And so whatever actions that we could take, this is the Secretary of State, to make sure that the tweet was labeled as inaccurate or taken down, we were willing to pursue. 
the court, but did you think you had filed a report? Did you want to do everything possible to try to assure that the Twitter would take it seriously and either remove the tweet or label it? Yes. And were you pleased when they deleted the tweet, my tweet? I believe I saw it, it had been done. Yes, yes, I was relieved, okay? So that's what they did. So you can see, I just want everyone to see, okay? So we end, what we tell the court is the evidence is overwhelming at this point that once again, Twitter suspended the plaintiff's account solely because he referenced Tassinari and the four tweet email conversation. As this was considered a repeat violation, Twitter has now suspended plaintiff's account. What this shows is that Tassinari had implemented in partnership with Amy Cohen from the National Association of State Election Directors, a keyword blacklist that operated in perpetuity against this plaintiff whenever he attempted to mention Tassinari in the email conversation. This is as content-based as government restriction can get, okay? So that's what we filed, and I'll give you a couple of other highlights. We talk about uh, a lot of the stuff I've mentioned. We also refer to some case law that the government has a history, by the way, guys, of suppressing free speech. There is a famous story of the sheriff of Cook County, Illinois, who openly conducted a powerful campaign of starving out a company by pressuring credit card companies to cut ties with Backpage.com, okay? And was finally enjoined by Judge Posner, okay? So look at this wonderful quote from Alexei Navalny, okay? Look what he says. He just put this up a couple of months ago. He goes, of course, Twitter is a private company, but we have seen many private companies in Russia and China, I've uh, seen many examples in such Russia and China of such private companies becoming the state's best friend and the enablers when it comes to censorship, okay? So we put this up, we submitted this, and what we asked, what, what are we asking for the court? We're saying, wherefore the plaintiff, which is me, Dr. Shiva, respectfully seeks an emergency hearing this week in order for this court to order these defendants to use their special government powers. Clearly, they're like the Communist Party. They can contact Jack. Look, Jack Dorsey's an idiot, okay? He's not some powerful guy. He listens to, he's a minion. He's a small pawn. Don't give these powers. It's the government that wants to silence people like me because I'm fighting for you and I'm exposing the fact that ballot images, okay, which are ballots are being destroyed. We don't have democracy in this country. That's what this is about. I expose them doing that. And in return for that, I've never been, uh, as I said, 19,744 tweets. Never get knocked off. I've talked about all sorts of controversies. Jack didn't knock me off, did he? No. Jack doesn't care if I talk about forced vaccinations. Jack doesn't care if I talk about when I'm showing the truth about election fraud. Okay. But he was told, okay, his beard was pulled. He's the, he's the cat. Okay. To take down Dr. Shiva whenever I mentioned Tassinari. That's what took place. Okay. So you got to get clear on that. So what did we ask? We said, Dr. Shiva respectfully seeks an emergency hearing this week in order for this court to order these defendants to use their special government powers and enhance trusted tw partner. They're considered a trusted partner, Michelle, John. Yeah. They're a trusted partner. You and I are not trusted partner. Two, one, to request Twitter to remove the keyword Tassinari from Twitter's automatic flagging algorithm that they themselves had cost to be inserted. Two, to make clear to Twitter that they have no objection in plaintiff discussing the content of the lawsuit with the public in Twitter. And three, to request Twitter to reverse the permanent suspension of plaintiff's Twitter account that followed the use of this algorithm to flag tweets that mention the, tas uh, the name Tassinari. Respectfully submitted. So this was submitted um, late last night, okay? That's what we did. All right, big lawsuit. Let me just um, show you one other piece. And then um, uh, as a part of this emergency hearing, 
I also filed my own personal affidavit. And in this affidavit, you know, it, it's me, uh, you know, reasserting the facts. It's, it's, it basically, it's my affidavit. Every, everyone's welcome to go read it. But one of the important things, I share all the tweets, right? Hey, judge, I was tweeting. I was never thrown off by Twitter. Vax, anti-vax. That's a very controversial issue. I'm talking about, you know, our big free speech rally we had. Twitter didn't throw me off for that. I'm talking about Marty Walsh being corrupt. They didn't throw me off for that. I'm talking about Pfizer being corrupt. They didn't throw me off for that. In fact, I guess you can attack Marty Walsh, but you can't attack Michelle Tassinari, okay? And what we see here is um, I also, one of the things, guys, I don't know if you know this, in 1993, I won the White House keyword categorization context for email. I built a whole company on this. I said in 1991, I won the White House contest for automatic categorization of President Clinton's email. I was awarded three United States patents for keyword analysis of text messages. Those patents were the basis of my company, Echomail, founded in 1994. The largest global 2000 companies, government organization, including government, corporation, Nike, and others employed Echomail for automatic categorization, routing, and automatic response. Okay. So I know a little bit about this field. So, um, John, you can go back. So the bottom line is this, what can you do? Well, everyone needs to share widely, unlike other people getting just turned off because whatever, maybe Twitter didn't like them. This is not that this is much deeper because in many ways, my exposing that the ballot images were deleted, which is going at the heart of American democracy. They delete ballot images, guys. All these elections are selections. Mm -hmm. So this is a serious issue for the state and these people are criminals. And the reason it's an issue is because I'm going at the real crime scene. They delete ballot images. They delete ballot images so they can hide that they're using computer algorithms. They don't want this to go out. So they told Twitter what to do. Okay. They told Twitter what to do. And all I can tell you is you're going to see some very interesting stuff coming out in the next probably two weeks, big, big stuff, big news. And you're gonna waken up that you're gonna realize most Americans have been sitting on their asses, not understanding the depth of American corruption. And it's very scary because you realize that you are a slave. I've, you know, I grew up as an untouchable in India. I know that coming to America was, or, you know, I, I, the only thing to do what you come to realize is you must fight. Whatever spiritual beliefs you have, whatever you believe in Christ, you believe in whatever. Okay, fine. Maybe there's an afterlife. Maybe there isn't. Okay. Maybe you believe in that. Great. Put that over here for a second. But on this planet right now, these people don't give a damn about your religious beliefs. They're here for them. They live this world for them. And in fact, I would argue our religious beliefs are being kind to them is what they use against us. The only thing to do on this planet when you're here is to fight. That's the only thing. The only thing to do is fight because you're all freaking slaves. I'm a slave, you're a slave. And you have to recognize that. You can't live in la-di-da-di-da -di -da world because they give you a house and they give you some internet and they give you some water. No, we're slaves. Because a ruling class has created a situation they own the voting machines. They delete ballot images. It is selections, not elections. And if you don't know this and you don't really absorb it, then you're basically naive cattle. And I hate to say this, I know most of you aren't, but you need to start educating your neighbors at a deep and fundamental level. We live in slavery. 
they have the voting machines that made my voters and, and me and my vote two thirds of a human being. They can flip votes and you're gonna see in the next week what's gonna come out. And they know a guy like me, an MIT PhD with four degrees, who's published in major journals, you have a scumbag Brahmin guy, an Indian guy they found to go to Wikipedia to call me Indian American pseudoscientist. He should be, everyone should go and look at it. How dare someone call me a pseudoscientist? Doesn't make any sense. A little twerp <laughs> who works at Stanford, we just found out, on election integrity. So who told him to do that? So they found a brown skinned guy to attack another brown skinned guy. This is how the establishment works. They are evil. And the only thing you must focus on doing is to fight. Look, in the great spiritual traditions, there's a great text called the Bhagavad Gita, okay? It's an epic text. It's one chapter of the long epic history called the Mahabharata. It's like the Bible, right? But it's in Hinduism. And all stories have this. The, the life of Christ was about fighting. That's what it really was. They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about that Christ took the whip and whipped the shit out of those people in the bank. Christians never want to talk about that. Why? Oh, Christ got, oh, that's an anomaly. No, that was the essence of Jesus Christ in my view. But in the Bhagavad Gita, what occurs is something fascinating. There is a great warrior, Arjuna, okay? Arjuna is the greatest warrior. He's the greatest archer. And there are two families about to have the major battle on, on in the world, the Pandavas and the Kauravas. Now, Arjuna is on the one side on the battlefield. Now, he his cousins are on the other side, and he's so mortified. Oh, my God, I got to use all these amazing powers to go fight them, okay? And he doesn't want to fight anymore because he knows it's going to be a bloody battle. And the Lord descends, and there's a discussion. That's what the Bhagavad Gita is about. It's a discussion between Arjuna and, and, and God about what is the purpose of life. And God takes Arjuna to heaven and he says, look, yeah, you'll have heaven one day, but right now those people are evil and your job is to fight. That's why you're here for. And there begins the Bhagavad Gita. It is a discourse between Krishna and God about what is the purpose of life. And I'm telling you the purpose of life is to destroy evil. And if you're not in it for that, and if you see evil and you walk away and you don't understand the depths, you are basically a slave. I wish not to be a slave because I grew up in an environment where my people were concerned less than my mother was called a pig when she went to pick up water by the by Brahmins who thought they were better than her. And if you're Brahmin and you're listening out there, I don't hold it against you, but that did occur. And when I say as an Indian untouchable, there are Brahmins in this country. Indians are some of the most racist people, especially to people like me, because I'm never supposed to have made it here. So I was a slave, I'm still a slave, and I'm here to tell you that the only purpose here is to fight. That's it, that is the purpose of life. And I believe if there is a God, and if you, you, know, if you believe, whatever your belief is, you will be judged on how you fought here for your fellow man. That's what you'll be judged for. I could be wrong, but that's what my gut and my heart tells me. So it's time to fight.
Thank you.